soda bread. And I'm going to call this episode Irish Soda Bread as God Intended, largely because I did a lot of research on Irish soda bread. And uh, I have a lot of papers here. You'll probably hear papers rustling during the podcast. I read, oh my goodness, I read so many articles, dozens of recipes, blogs, all sorts of things about it. And um, what I did was I came to the conclusion I wanted to take it to the very core of what Irish soda bread was and should be. So that's what we're going to have with my recipe, which I'm also going to be making into a mix for Irish soda bread. If you're interested in purchasing it, you can go to my website, marymacpodcast.com and check my store probably... Um, within the next few days, we should have it up. So once I get into this podcast, you'll see why I made this mix. The recipe that I developed came from combining three different recipes and a lot of information from blogging and cookbooks and that sort of thing, because I wanted to get the best and most sensible parts of the recipe together to make a bread that would be true to the original style of an Irish soda bread. The interesting thing about Irish soda bread is it is, it's, there's so many different recipes for it. There's so many different traditional recipes for it. And really it's a very simple, it was a very simple bread. And you have to remember when you, usually when you talk about any sort of food or recipes from Ireland that are, Uh, would be like a traditional or a classical recipe. You have to remember a few things. First of all, the Irish as a nation were extremely poor up until fairly recently in their history. So most of the food is going to be very simple, very plain, very easily cooked. Um, There's kind of a, a joke. You don't hear it a lot these days. Of course, things have changed, but people used to say, how do you make this recipe in Ireland or whatever? And that would be, um, you cook it until it's it's completely lifeless and flavorless, and then it's done. Isn't that the, you boil it to death? Yeah, you boil it to death, and then it's done. So basically, that was the way of the Irish. You threw everything in a pot, and you just cooked it and left it, because you didn't have time to tend all that stuff. And sometimes the things you were eating were not fresh, to say the least. And a lot of uh, potato dishes and cabbage dishes and root vegetable dishes and things like that came out of that tradition out of the poverty of the 17 and 1800s and even the early 1900s. So when you think about Irish recipes, that's what you have to think about. So if there's ingredients in there that don't sound right, they're probably not. So for example, Irish soda bread doesn't have eggs in it and doesn't have butter in it because those are expensive items. Irish soda bread traditionally doesn't have uh, raisins or any sort of fruit or sugar in it because those are expensive items. So it's bare bones. It is a bare bones bread in its original form. It was made from a whole wheat flour that's a soft wheat. And by soft wheat, the, the different types of bread flours there are, typically when someone, uh, when, when a flour is referred to as a soft wheat flour, you know, it's a low gluten content flour. You might even call it an all purpose type of a flour, but it's a very low um, gluten content. So it doesn't make, when you make bread with normal bread flour, 
as you knead it, you build gluten in the dough, and that causes that springy texture of normal bread that you bake. Plus, you have to remember, in Europe and probably everywhere outside the United States, flours are labeled differently. So an all-purpose flour might not be called an all-purpose flour. It tells you what the gluten amount is in it. Right, right. So so this type of a flour is a soft wheat flour. Typically, the flour of choice for bread baking is a hard red wheat or a hard white wheat flour. This flour is a short season flour, I guess would be the way to explain it the best. It's a it's a wheat flour that they were able to grow in in Ireland. It was something that grew easily in Ireland. So in the early 1800s, when baking soda was introduced to baking, it was perfect for this type of flour because baking soda, of course, was cheap, cheaper than yeast. And then another thing that's interesting about the soft wheat flours is typically when you make a levain, which is um, you can take flour, mix it with water, and just let it sit and it'll ferment and you can use that to make uh, bread rice. You can use it to make dough. When you're using that sort of a thing, you need to use a high gluten flour to begin with. So this flour didn't work for that. So you couldn't take this flour and, you know, the traditional sourdoughs that we have in the United States, people would keep their starter and grow it and use it and add to it and grow it and carry it all over the country with them. And that was like gold because that that made your bread, that made whatever you were eating, that's what you use to make it rise. Well, with the advent of baking soda that was introduced in the early 1800s, that allowed bakers to uh, use these soft flours that traditionally didn't rise well with yeast and, and make muffins and breads that would rise. So the earliest recipe for baking soda bread was, it seems to be um, from a cookbook from 1836, the first time it was really used. So this is something, this is a product that was in, that was developed in the Americas, went on to be embraced in England and, and moved into Ireland then. So all these things were happening in the early 1800s in Ireland. There was a lot of oppression by the British. There was a lot of, uh, there was a definite poverty that was, enveloping the country and then a potato famine struck so now you have a people that were struggling to get by anyway and now the core of their diet the potato was blighted and just wiped out the potato crop so what did they have left they had left soda bread soda bread was something that could be made by the average person fairly simple to make fairly quick to make fairly nutritious and filling Definitely filling. As a matter of fact, uh, there were a number of, I guess we would refer to them as poor houses that had allotments of food that went to individuals, and Irish soda bread is listed among that, a loaf of Irish soda bread and so many potatoes per person to, uh, to help these poor people get by. Now, wood is also a thing that is scarce in Ireland. So for heating and cooking, they typically used a thing called peat, or turf, which was cut out of the bogs, and it's a compressed grass and roots and plant matter, and it you can burn it, and it'll smolder and burn and produce heat, and you can cook on it. 
So um, when you cook over a peat fire, you typically use a thing called a Dutch oven. And a Dutch oven is just a heavy pan. It can be cast iron. Typically of that time, it would be cast iron. So it's a heavy cast iron pan with a lid. And it could hang from a hook or set actually right on that peat, which was really handy because um, actually if you've ever camped and cooked in a Dutch oven, they work really well. Uh, you can use them in your ovens. A lot of people use them in their ovens now on stovetops, on grills, whatever. But they're a really handy cooking device because you can make all manner of things in it. You can make soup in it. You can make stew in it. You can cook a roast in it. You can cook bread in it. You can cook scones in it. You can make that Dutch apple pancake thing that you made in it. Yeah, you can make that Dutch apple pancake, a Dutch baby in it, um, which is another recipe that comes from a time where people baked in Dutch ovens. So... Um, you cooked on the peat, you used a Dutch oven. And in order to make a loaf of bread, that's what you did. Another thing that was used in the used in Irish soda bread, which is used in our Irish soda bread, is uh, buttermilk. Because buttermilk is a byproduct of making butter. Typically, it would be spoiled, somewhat a cultured sort of a thing like yogurt, because you know you're getting it from a place that made butter, and who knows how long it's been sitting somewhere at this time. Now we buy buttermilk in the store in a jug and you pay a bit of money for it. It's good for your digestive tract. It has live cultures in it. Typically buttermilk, well not buttermilk today, but at this time, you know, there's little bits of butter in there. There's little bits of fat in it. So it was something that added to the diet of a people that didn't have, you know, normal milk to drink. There's still calcium in it and nutrients. Like I said, there's a little bit of fat in there. And there's also bacteria in there that help your gut, just kind of like yogurt. So what buttermilk does is it it reacts with baking soda and causes a rise. Sort of like, you know, when you're a little kid and you make a volcano using baking soda and vinegar, you get that same sort of thing with buttermilk. Now, some people say, oh, mate, you can make your own buttermilk by adding uh, lemon juice to regular milk and making it go sour. Yeah, it's not the same thing, okay? So what I want you to do when you make this recipe or if you buy my mix, I want you to go to the store and get regular buttermilk because we're, we're making something foundational here and we want to do it right. The buttermilk, when you get it, it has a bit of a smell to it. And it's, it's not exactly um, a sour smell, but it's an acidic kind of a smell. And you get, you get that little bit of buttery smell with it. And it's thick. You have to shake it up when you buy it these days because it's, it's, okay, it's sort of like drinkable yogurt if you want to, you know, put it that way. Makes a good bread, though. So now we're going to have our, for our Irish soda bread, basically we're using stone ground whole wheat pastry flour. Now, I bought this from Bob's Red Mill. It is 100% stone ground whole wheat pastry flour. It's made from soft wheat. And the reason it's called pastry flour, which this is a good little tip to know, when you buy pastry flour, what does that mean? That means it's a low gluten flour because you don't want gluten in your pie crust because it's going to make it tough. You know, that's why you always say you don't want to work your pie crust too much because the more you do, it gets tough. Same with like sugar cookies. So you want to use when you're making pie crust or uh, rolled and cut cookies, you want to use an all-purpose flour or a low-gluten flour, okay, with a low-gluten rating. So this flour is a whole wheat pastry flour, which, by the way, you can use in cookies, cakes, 
pie crust, brownies, pancakes, etc. So this is a good, very nice flour to use for all of those things. It's slightly brown, which is another thing I discovered. Traditionally, Irish soda bread, it was called brown bread. So if you went to get bread, you got brown bread. Why? Because white bread is for the rich people, okay? The poor people eat brown bread. It's not sifted. It has the full hull and everything in it. It's not bleached. Nothing fancy has happened to it. It's ground and put into a sack. That's also uh, the origin of the term upper crust, right? Yes. Because the rich people got the nice crust that was on the top of the bread. Yeah, and the poor people got that cake that was on the bottom. And and here's the thing to consider. I've always think of this too. You know, now if you just heard what I said, white flour is for the wealthy, Butter and regular milk are for the wealthy, but what are the poor people eating? The poor people are eating brown, whole wheat flour, which is very healthy and high in fiber. Buttermilk, which contains cultures to help your digestive tract, and they're not getting all that extra stuff. That's why poor people are so much healthier. That's just the way it is. We're so much healthier. Nowadays, it's the reverse. It's almost the reverse because the worst quality food is the least expensive in our time. The junk food is the least expensive thing to eat, and that's what's happening. People that don't have the money to spend on food buy the poorest quality food now, which is poor quality. In the olden days, poor people ate the things that the rich people didn't want to eat, which typically were healthier and better for them. So that's that's quite a flip-flop over the last 150 years. Quite an interesting flip-flop when you look at it. This bread we're going to make requires a Dutch oven. It requires buttermilk. It requires whole wheat pastry flour. It requires uh, salt and baking soda. What we're going to do, we're going to preheat our oven to 425. This is a hot bake. And one thing about this is this bread pops up quickly. And you want it to pop up quickly because you don't have a lot of time with the baking soda interaction with the buttermilk. You're going to grease the bottom of your Dutch oven to prepare that. And you're going to need a large bread bowl, like I've talked about before, using like maybe a, I don't know, I have a big, my uh, big 28-quart bowl. Um, but you want to have a pretty large bread bowl. It doesn't need to be that big, but it needs to be big. And what you want to do is when you open your flour, and this is a good thing to do with any flour when you're baking, is you're going to lighten it. And what that means is you're going to take a spoon and stir that around because flour gets compacted in a bag from sitting and being set down and picked up and moved around and, it, and shaken. So it's going to compact in the bag. So what you want to do is lighten it before you use it because if you don't, compacted flour really, it's a lot more flour than you think you're really using. Do you want to sift it or just No, you don't it? want to sift it. You only want to lighten it. You just want to stir it with a spoon, kind of turn it over. You don't want to like whip it around until you have a dust cloud, but, you know, stir it and turn it over just to lighten it. The way you're going to measure the flour is you're going to scoop the flour into a measuring cup and level it off. You're not going to scoop the measuring cup into the flour. You're going to use a spoon and lift the flour into the cup, fill it up and level it off. Okay, so you need four cups of flour that has been lightened. And you're going to put that in your big bowl. And then you're going to add uh, one and a half teaspoons of baking soda. And what you want to do with that is if you have a little sifter or a small sieve, 
you put that over your flour and put your baking soda in it and make sure that you go all around your flour and press that baking soda through the screen to number one, break up chunks in the baking soda. Number two, get that all over the place. And then you're going to add one teaspoon of salt. Now you have all your dry ingredients in there. You're going to take a whisk and stir them up for a minute just to make sure they're all well blended. Then make a well in the center and you're going to add 14 ounces of buttermilk. Not 14 ounces by weight, but you're going to use a liquid measuring cup and put 14 ounces of buttermilk in your liquid measuring cup. Then you're going to pour that right into the well in the center. And now you're going to very carefully fold your flour into the buttermilk until well blended. You don't want to stir it. You don't want to beat it. You're only folding the flour into the buttermilk until it's all incorporated in there so you don't have any dry flour in there. Now, you want to be very light with this dough. And like I said, this is an easy recipe to make. So don't make more work out of it than it is. It's a very easy recipe to make. You want to be very light with the dough. You don't want to work it to death. You don't want to work it much because you'll take the gas out of it. So we're not kneading it at all. Once you have that liquid incorporated into the flour mixture, what you're going to do is carefully form it into a round loaf and set it in the Dutch oven. Once you get it into the Dutch oven, you can kind of pat it into shape, you know, and you want to make this, you want to make a nice little round, slightly mounded shape in there, not flat like a pancake and it doesn't, you don't want it to go to the edges of your Dutch oven. You just want this little mounded thing. It's probably going to be about six, seven inches in diameter, maybe two to three inches high and, and pat it into shape. Then most importantly, you're going to take the back of your knife and you're going to go across it, not the sharp side, the dull side of a knife and go across and make a cross in the top because this will let the fairies out of the dough. And if you don't let the fairies out of the dough, I'm not sure what happens, but I think it's really bad. Well, then it's not vegan. (laughs) (laughs) Now you put the lid on your Dutch oven and you put it in the oven at 425 for 30 minutes with the lid on, okay? And what's happening inside that Dutch oven is that loaf is steaming in there. It's baking and it's steaming and it's lifting up a little bit. Now, after 30 minutes, you're going to take the lid off of the Dutch oven and bake it for 15 more minutes until it's nice. It'll be nice and golden brown looking. To, To tell if it's done is when you lift it up off of the bottom and tap the bottom of the loaf, it has a hollow sound to it. However, if you don't want to do that with that hot Dutch oven and that hot bread, you can just slide the oven rack out and tap it with your, just flick the loaf on the outside with your fingers and it'll just go like thud, thud, you know. So that's how you can tell it's done. It will get a beautiful golden brown cast to it and the bottom will be really, really brown. So it'll look really nice. After you get that out, you're going to take the loaf and set it on a cooling rack and let it cool for a little while. And then um, you can eat it warm. It's delicious, warm with butter and jam. It makes wonderful toast the next day. But in my opinion, Irish soda bread is made to be eaten at the time you bake it. It does not improve with sitting, but you can toast it. It makes a good toast. It is wonderful for a breakfast bread. It is wonderful with stew because it will soak up juice. I mean, anything like that. So if you wanted to make it to have with your Irish stew dinner, perfect. It's a perfect thing. It will have, the interesting thing about this bread is that when you slice it, you get 
a whiff of the chemical reaction that you created. You get that little bit of a whiff of the baking soda. You get that smell of the flour and you get that buttermilk. And it's just like, wow. You know, when you, it's, it's amazing to me. I think it's, it's one of the coolest breads I've ever made. Like I said, it's not a difficult bread to make. It's very simple. It's very delicious. It's perfect thing to make for St. Patrick's Day to remember your Irish heritage or the one you wish you had. (laughs) So if you don't have a Dutch oven, um, what I did read, I haven't tried this, but I'm going to try it actually after the podcast. If you don't have a Dutch oven, you can use two round cake pans, one for the loaf and one for the lid, you know, and then you set the loaf in the bottom pan, set the other one on top, and that will work effectively to steam the loaf inside of it. It should work just fine. But this is um, a delicious and simple bread, and as you, it's it's got four ingredients in it. You know, um, there's no sugar in it, so if you can't have sugar, it's wonderful. Uh, it's a quick loaf to make. If you were out of bread and you needed a quick loaf of bread, this is a perfect quick loaf to make. Why not do it? You should do it. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope that you'll make this bread. And if you don't want to buy a great big bag of whole wheat pastry flour, you can go to my website and pick up a mix for this delicious brown Irish soda bread as God intended and try it then. Don't forget to check us out online on Facebook at Mary Mac Bakehouse, on Instagram at Mary Mac Bakehouse, and on Twitter at Mary Mac Mixes. Our website is MaryMacPodcast.com. And are we going to have a standing chimney opening soon? Uh, Yes. Standing chimney's next opening date will be on St. Patrick's Day, actually. We're having St. Patrick's Pierogi Day at Standing Chimney. We'll have five different types of fillings in our delicious home handmade pierogies. And you can stop in if you're in western Pennsylvania. Come to Standing Chimney in Lawrence County and you can get some delicious pierogies to eat at your own home. So I hope to see you there. Thanks a lot for listening if you did. And if you didn't, too bad for you. May those who love us love us. And may those who don't, may God turn their hearts. And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles so we'll know them by their limping. Happy St. Patrick's Day!